Good afternoon and welcome to Truth Worth Living, where we seek to understand God's Word so we can live in God's will. Before Easter, we read the introduction to the book of Hebrews, which we said is really a sermon. And we discovered that one of the sermon's themes was the establishment of the superiority of Christ for these believers who were wavering in their conviction that Christ was the Savior. Now, surprisingly, the anonymous writer begins his sermon by proving that Jesus is superior to, do you know, the angels. Listen, listen to what he says beginning in verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 1. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father, or again I will be his father, and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, He makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the Son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, in the beginning, Lord... You laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits to, sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Now, the first question we have to ask is, why begin this crucial message by correcting their thinking on angels? Well, the obvious answer is that their wavering condition was somehow connected to what they believed about the angels. Now, at that time, many Jews took their belief of angels to an extreme, choosing to worship them as near equals to God. And that idea bled over into the young church and was the root of the heresy that we know as Gnosticism, which presented Jesus not as the Son of God, but as an angel. So we can safely conclude that the Gnostic teaching had found its way into this body of believers. So in these verses, the writer is establishing the supremacy of Jesus to angels. Now, we'll we'll look at what he says about Jesus in a moment, but, but let's start with what we know about these fascinating creatures. And I say that word specifically because they are created. But what do we know about these fascinating creatures called angels? Well, we we know that they play a prominent role in Scripture. They are mentioned 108 times in the Old Testament and 165 times in the New Testament. And what the Scripture teaches us is their purpose is to render special worship and service to God. 
Now, I, I made a list of 13 things that we know about the angels from Scripture. Okay, so let me, let me just go through them, if you will. They are spirit beings that have no flesh and bones, but they do apparently have bodies. Second, we know from Hebrews 13.2 that they can take the form of humans because the writer exhorts the believers to mind how they treat strangers because they could unknowingly be entertaining angels. They apparently, angels, apparently have emotions because we know that Jesus says they rejoice when a sinner is saved. Number four, angels are not eternal because they are created but angels do not die. Number five, one-third of angels fell with Lucifer and will ultimately be put away upon Christ's return. But at this point in time, those angels apparently exist as demonic, demonic spirit beings. Six, there are a great multitude of angels with God. John MacArthur estimates that there are trillions of them he cites Daniel's vision of the Ancient of Days where thousands upon thousands were serving God on his throne and myriads upon myriads are standing before him. Number seven, according to Mark 3.32, the faithful angels reside in heaven. Number eight, angels are highly organized and divided into ranks with a very complex organization as they have responsibilities over thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, authorities, and the like. Some of the special classes of angels include cherubim and seraphim. Number nine, angels, both those fallen and faithful, are more powerful than men. So what does that mean for us? If we're going to overcome the attack of our enemy, then we have to call upon power from on high to deal with those fallen angels who are organized in concert with Satan to steal, kill, and destroy. Ten, we know that at least some angels have names. Can you think of the ones that are named? In scripture we know there's Michael, there's Gabriel, and then we also know about Lucifer. Right? Michael is the head of the armies of heaven. Gabriel is called the Mighty One, and Lucifer, of course, was the name Satan had before he rebelled against God. Number 11, angels minister to God by doing his bidding. They are both spectators and participants in God's work. You remember after Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, the scripture says the angels came and attended to him, so they ministered to God. But number 12, we also know that they minister to the body of Christ. They assist God in answering prayer. They del deliver believers from danger. They give encouragement and they protect children. And then finally, we know that the angels were utilized to give the law to God's chosen people. Galatians 13.9 says the law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. So, I mean, angels are amazing, right? We know that. But the point of Hebrews chapter 1 is that Jesus is more amazing. The Gnostic view that said Jesus was an angel diminished his deity and had to be corrected. So the writer is begins his sermon with that goal in mind. He goes to great lengths 
to establish that Jesus was not an angel. As a matter of fact, except for the brief time when Jesus became one of us, he was above the angels. And then upon his resurrection from the dead, he was lifted back above the angels as the Son of God. So, how does the writer make his point? First, he says that Christ was superior because of the title that God bestowed upon him. Look at verse 5. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father, and he will be my son. Prior to his advent, Jesus was the second person of the Trinity. Now theologians say that according to Scripture, he became the son when he chose to descend in the form of a servant. And then when he ascended back to heaven, he retained the title, the Son of God. So the angels were never called Son. They were created servants. Jesus chose to be a servant, thereby obtaining the supreme title, the Son of God. Second, Jesus was greater because he was to be worshipped. Remember what verse 6 said? And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Okay, so not only are we to worship Jesus, but angels are to bow down to Jesus as well. A clear indication of his superiority. Third, he was greater because he created them and they are his. Verse 7 says, in speaking of the angels, he says, He makes his angels spirits, and his servants flames of fire. Christ created the angels. They belong to him. They were created to serve him. Fourth, Christ is superior to them because he is seated upon the eternal throne. Look at verse 8. But about the Son, he says, Your throne, O God will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. The scepter is the sign of authority. He sits, he, Jesus, sits on the throne of his kingdom and yields his power as its sovereign. And then fifth and finally, Jesus has a superior destiny. Look at verses 13 and 14. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? So, what is Jesus' destiny? It is to reign. What's the angel's destiny? It is to serve those who inherit the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus Christ. The angels do not get us in, therefore we do not worship them. Our enemies will not bow to them. It is only to Christ that we bow in worship and our enemies bow in deference. Now the truth is, Christ is superior to the angels, and with the angels we bow down to his supremacy. Now that's truth worth living. Thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow night, either here on Facebook, our YouTube channel, or in person as we continue our study in the book of Mark. We're going to be studying about Jesus 
and Peter for a little bit walking on water. It's going to be a great study. And then on Sunday morning, we will continue our study that we began this week on overcoming apathy. I'm looking forward to seeing you then. God bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, and give you peace. Have a great day.